we get to sing about our testimony that Jesus Christ has saved us, that he's changed our lives. And we're going to sing out a new song goes like this. This is my testimony from death to life. Grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'll justify. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Together this morning, declaring the truth that every believer can. Well, I saw Satan fall like lightning, and I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. I believe in signs and wonders. Resurrection power Still the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever Sing it out This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Come together, sons and daughters. All in blood and wash in water. Son and Father, our God will finish what He started. Yeah, our God will finish what He started. This is my testimony from death to life. This grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony.
Amen. That's true today. Y'all may have a seat. All right, church. Good morning. It's good to see you here today, and I'm Pastor Sonny, of course, and it's good to see you back with us this morning. And if you are uh, part of our church family, we want to welcome you back. It's June. Can you believe it's June already? The summer is upon us, and um, so we're celebrating June already and the summer already. But if you're part of our church family, we want to welcome you back. It's good to see many of you already. I've already had a chance to maybe see you, connect with you a little bit this morning. If I haven't done so, I hope to do so this morning. Sometimes I can't get around to everybody, um, but I hope to do, uh, to do that as much as I can this morning. Listen, if you're new with us, we want to welcome you to our church this morning, um, and uh, we're grateful that you chose to be a part of our church family today. I hope you've been welcomed already from the parking lot all the way through the lobby and all the way where you're seated today. If you're part of our church family, you look around, you see somebody you don't know, make sure after the service today you find them, you introduce yourself, and you thank them for joining us here at Central, okay? And we want to make sure that we welcome everyone very well. If you are new with us, you haven't been here in a while, there is a little card right in the front of you or right around you somewhere, a little guest information card. If you wouldn't mind during the service today, just fill that out. Um, and put as much information that you would want to put on there and then drop that in the offering boxes as you leave today. We would love to just get to know you a little bit as a family, pray for you. Also for our church family, if you have prayer needs, if you have any decisions you would like to make or talk to uh, uh, one of us about, um, you can fill out one of those cards and just jot down a few notes for, for us. We'll get that and follow up with you, okay? Hey, real quick while we're starting this morning, after the service today, you may have been planning to attend the membership class. We were going to have one today at 11 o'clock. We've actually postponed that to next Sunday. So not today, but next Sunday, we'll have that membership class at 11 o'clock. So I want to mention that to you this morning on the front end so you can kind of plan or prepare throughout the service today um, if you were planning to attend. I didn't want to spring that on you right at the last minute, okay? So I wanted to mention that today. Hey, let's pray, okay? And then we'll, uh, we'll stand and sing and continue to worship the Lord today. Father, thank you this morning for the the beauty of the local church. We look around this room today, God, we see all of us so unique, different, distinct. We all have different backgrounds. God, we all have different experiences. We're all at different ages in this room and different generations in this room. But Lord, collectively, we have one heart. One heart to worship you, one heart to praise you, one heart to love you with. And so we thank you that, Lord, internally in all of our lives, you've given us a mind, you've given us a heart. And you've given us, Lord, one directive today, and that is to worship you and follow you with our hearts. And so today, we pray that you would be pleased with our worship of you. In the time that we sing songs, maybe new songs that we have never sung before or newer songs, the great songs that we've sung all of our lives, God, we pray that collectively we would worship you with one heart, one voice. God, we pray that your blessing would be on our service today. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir our hearts up Stir us up to love and good works, as your word says. But Lord, would you unite us by way of your Holy Spirit this morning, that we would genuinely care deeply for each other and that we would worship you with one heart. And God, we just pray that, uh, that Lord, you would move in our hearts in such a way to encourage us, to convict us, but Lord, that you would lead us to a place of walking by faith and not by sight. For Lord, you are here. We believe you are here. Your presence is among us. So manifest your presence among us even more so today, Lord Jesus. Change our hearts, transform us, move our hearts towards action. And we just give this time to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand and continue to sing. 
Break the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the dark.
Yeah.
God, we thank you that that's true, that you bought us out of our sin, our shame, and our death, and you brought us into your resurrection. God, we approach your throne with confidence this morning. We pray that you would open our hearts to hear your word. God, move in this place. Let lives be changed by your word and your power. We humble ourselves before you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, listen, as we um, go to the Lord in prayer this morning, hey, listen, I want to encourage you to come forward when we pray on Sunday mornings like this. And, you know, we've, been, we've come to the throne. We've, uh, we've worshiped him in song, but let's worship him by way of prayer. And, uh, you know, I want to just encourage us this morning. You know, this world beats us up. Um, it is hard to be a Christian in this culture, but here's the thing. It is not, it's not just us. It has always existed to be hard, to be in a a Christian in this culture, in whatever culture it is. And I just want to remind us of some encouraging words as we pray this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1. I mean, we need to be always reminding ourselves of these things because the Word of God always stirs us to action. But it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is coming from 1 Peter. And Peter went through a lot. And he's reminding us of these words. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what we've been singing about. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. There is a destination at the end of all this, this life that we're living, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, we just rejoiced, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. We go through those. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, and it is and it will be, I added that, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith salvation of your souls. And that's why we praise him. So this morning, let's pray. Let's talk to the Lord this morning about uh, these matters, and let's thank him for his goodness in our lives. God, we do thank you for the living hope, the resurrection that we have. And Lord, these lives in which we live, this broken down body that we have, this broken down mind that, Lord, strives to worship you and keep our eyes and our focus on you, Um, and yet sometimes fails so often that, Lord, this isn't the end. God, you're going to do a work in our lives as you already have, but, Lord, there is a destination to the life of living by faith and not by sight. And one day our faith will be made sight, and we'll see you, Jesus, face to face. We thank you, Lord, already this morning as we have already thanked you and praised you and worshiped you that you are here We do not sing to empty space. We do not worship a God who is dead. We do not worship a God who is empty. We don't worship a God to somehow help us to cope through life or to make us feel good. But we worship a God who is real, a God that we're convictional about. We believe you're here, and we believe you're here in this room. We believe in your Holy Spirit that is at work in our hearts, that unites us, but is at work in our hearts, helping us understand the words, Holy Spirit, that you wrote. And Lord, then stirring us on to, Lord, live out the life, the Spirit-filled life, a life, Lord, that is focused on following you. We just want to thank you this morning 
for that truth. We believe in your truth. We believe in your word. For God, this world is full of all kinds of uncertainties. It's full of empty promises that never deliver. Empty dreams and empty, Lord, uh, things that, Lord, come our way and yet continue to disappoint, but you never disappoint. And your word never disappoints. It lasts. And your word will stand on its own long after we're dead and gone from this world. And there'll be another generation of people, another generation of churches that will dot this entire globe that will worship you and sing songs to you and open the same Bible that we have in front of us. We'll have the same truth in front of them, the same choices in front of them, the same words in front of them. And they'll have the same choice as to whether to follow you or not to follow you. But God, your word endures. Governments rise, governments fall. People rise, people go away. You give, you take away. All of these things, Lord, we remember. But your word always remains. So this morning, no matter what we're going through today, Father, as we come to you, we thank you that, Lord, you endure. And that, God, you're real and you're working in our hearts and in our minds. God, as we've prayed this morning already, whatever's in the way of us following you, would you remove it? We confess sin to you. We repent of that sin. And Lord, would you remove it and would you fill us with your Holy Spirit today that we would be spiritual people, that we would truly be a people that are different and distinct and unique than the culture around us. For Lord, we have been people who have been bought and paid for by the blood of your son, Jesus. And so we live in light of that. And so with this, this morning, we just pray for your blessing to be on our time together, to be, our, be on us and on our time in your word. We love you, Lord. We genuinely do. Thank you for the time to pray. Now open our hearts to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning one last time to turn to with me to the book of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, there are 24 chapters in Joshua. How about that? We've come to the end of those chapters. We're going to be this morning in Joshua chapter 24. We're going to finish up what we're going to talk about here in Joshua chapter 24 and what God's Word has to say to us in the book of Joshua. If you're like me, the book of Joshua has been very convicting. It's been encouraging at the same time. Very convicting, but also encouraging at the same time. The Holy Spirit has a way to do, of doing that in our lives, doesn't he? Yeah, we have to deal with the, the, uh, the, the conviction in our hearts when he speaks to us when he rattles our hearts, when he challenges our way of life. But that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does. He comes into our life and he completely rearranges us. He doesn't fit our narrative. We fit his. We fit his lifestyle. We fit the way he wants us to live. So it's been very convicting and the Spirit of God has done that in our hearts, but he's also been very encouraging for us as well. We have met in the book of Joshua a God who is faithful, a God who is extremely faithful. If you've seen anything, I hope you've seen that among God's people. He's been faithful from the moment that he brought them out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. He has been faithful. But it has required at the same time God's people to be courageous, to live courageously for him. It wasn't easy to walk around the walls of Jericho. It hasn't been easy to, to face defeat at Ai and then to experience victory again. It wasn't easy sometimes to wait on the Lord. They certainly had been eating manna from heaven for many, many years, but then to wait to go across the Jordan River. 
And then to wait for the Lord to go into the Jordan River. And then to wait for the, the waters to, pass, to depart. And then to wait before, once God had to prepare them, when they, once they got into the promised land. Before they ever even got to Jericho. It took patience. It took obedience. It took courage. I'm reminded this morning as we kind of begin to close out this book that we all make choices. Sometimes we make good choices. I hope we make good choices from time to time. But we also make some bad choices. I remember a few years ago at a church I was serving at, I was on staff at that church, and it was in the middle of the Bible study hour, the Sunday school hour at the church, and I was walking down the hallway, and this father walked in, but he came in huffing and puffing. He looked like he was on a mission, and he had this little, this little bag in his hand, a little plastic bag in his hand, and he was on a mission. And he had one, a student in our teen ministry. He was about eighth grade, I think he was at the time, maybe seventh grade. And he looked like he was on a mission. I said, where are you going? And he said, this morning on the way to, to church, I could tell my son did not put on deodorant. And so I had to leave church, and I ran to, to Dollar General, and I got a stick of deodorant, and I'm about to go to his class, and I'm going to pull him out of his class and take him to the bathroom and make him put deodorant on. And I just, stood, I just laughed because he just kept on trucking down the hallway. We make some good choices. Sometimes we make some bad choices. And that morning, that father knew that he had made, his son had made a bad choice that he was going to correct and write. There is no weightier choice in our lives than what we do with Jesus Christ. There is no weightier choice, no more important choice in our lives. It's the most significant decision that you'll ever make. It's a call to commitment. I don't know about you, but there have been a lot of people in my life that have made certain commitments to me. And sometimes those commitments have been somewhat shallow. Maybe they've been in passing. But then there have been those commitments that people have followed through with. I want to say to us this morning on the front end of chapter 24 that when it comes to the Lord in your life, here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. And as we approach this chapter in the book of Joshua one last time, is what kind of commitment does the Word of God, what kind of commitment does the Lord and his word call us to make, call you to make as an individual, you to make as a family, you to make as a married couple, us to make collectively as a church here at Central. I mean, what is the call that God places upon our lives? Now, we know and understand what's going on here. If you were here a week ago, you understand here in chapters 23 and 24, Joshua's closing out his ministry, his life, his leadership. He's old and he's about to die. In chapter 23, as we saw a week ago, Joshua has this farewell address to the leaders of God's people. But here in 24, he's going to get the whole nation together. And he's going to get them all together one last time before he dies. And his leadership, his race that God put him on is done. And so some 25 years after they've settled the land, they have rest from war, chapter 23 and 24 come to be. Joshua now is old, of course. He's about to die. But 25 years later, the people, and here's the key to the text this morning, the people are settled. They've grown comfortable. They've grown content. They're at rest. And they're settled. I mean, 25 years since the promised land, since the conquest is over, and they've had rest from war. They've raised their kids. They've learned how to work the land and grow crops. They've learned how to make money in the promised land, build businesses. They've learned how to build houses and cities. They're settled. 
Being settled is a good thing in some respects, but being settled can be a bad thing. It can be a problem in our lives the same way. Because to be settled can create a sense of apathy in the heart, a sense of apathy in the human heart, which is where God's people are. Joshua, old and about to die and go the way of the earth, as we all do, remembers and can see into the hearts and the minds of the people who are here in the promised land. And he knows that they've grown apathetic. They have not and are not picking up the work that God has for them and continuing the work. Listen, listen, church, listen, that can happen in us as individuals. It can happen in us collectively. When you grow settled and when you grow apathetic, we have the tendency of not picking up the work that God wants for us and finishing and working the way God wants us to work. So here in chapter 24, we're going to walk through the story this morning. We're just going to walk through the story and we're going to see what God has a word for us this morning as we close out Joshua. Joshua sees this. He knows this about God's people. And he addresses them right here in chapter 24. So first of all, he reminds his people, God's people, that God has been faithful to his covenant. Look at your Bibles with me in chapter 24, verse 1. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders and the heads and the judges and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And watch what begins to happen. He reviews God's faithfulness to his covenant. God had been so good to his people. He summons everyone together. He gets them all together in this one place. And this was an important moment. This is a big moment. This is a moment in which he is going to, and they are going to, collectively as a nation, renew their covenant with God. God had established them. God had created them. God had given them the promised land. God had brought them into the promised land. God had fought for them. He had given them victory after victory after victory. The land in which they work is, is God's, is not theirs. It is God's. It was handed to them. The, the very dirt in which they are walking is, is, is land that has been given to them by God. It isn't something that they have somehow earned or deserved. God had given them rest. God had given them blessing. God had given them inheritance. God had blessed them with all of these things. He's wanting to remind them right here in the first few verses of chapter 24 of how God has been so faithful and gracious to them. Look at your Bibles in verse 2. I mean, just right there in verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. And on and on it goes. Look down at verse 6. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. Jump down to verse 12. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not you, or not by your sword, or by your bow. What God's doing, and what Joshua's doing in these first few verses of this chapter is he's reminding them of God's power, of God's grace, all the way back from Abraham and Isaac, then in Egypt, and how God brought them out of Egypt to Moses and Aaron, bringing them out of Egypt all the way to through the wilderness, God had been faithful to them. God had been very gracious to them. All the way to the point to where they come to the promised land. Here's the second generation. First generation gets it wrong. Second generation gets it right. This is the second generation. And then opens up a window for them to come into the promised land. And they come into the promised land and God gives them this land. God had been so faithful to them. God has been so gracious to them. Now, by the hands of God... They are where they are. They have the land. Everything has been God-given. And when he was done laying out God's greatness, 
God's goodness, God's faithfulness. I mean, right here, he calls them to make this exclusive commitment. I mean, before he calls them to make this exclusive commitment, he lays out who God is. He lays out what God has done. And listen, that's how it is in our lives. What propels you to get up tomorrow morning and to go to work and to serve the Lord? What propels you to go teach a Bible study list? What propels you to serve the Lord in his church? What propels you to live out the Christian life? It's not because of what you've done, not because of what I've done. It's because of what God has done who God is, what he's done for me, and it's out of the outflow of my relationship with Jesus Christ here, then I get to do the things that God wants me to do. It propels me to action. It stirs me up. And what happens in my heart and in my life, I have this innate desire to want to please my heavenly father because of who he is and who he's revealed himself to be and what he has done. That's why Joshua is saying what he's saying here. Before he, gets in, before he stands up on his soapbox and says, here, y'all, go do this, he says, listen, God has been so faithful to us. God has been so faithful. He has blessed us. He has provided for us in every respect. He has done this work. And then he calls them to this exclusive commitment. And see, our decisions, the decisions that we make, are always based on God and the grace that God pours out upon our lives. So look at verse 14. Joshua says four things and they, to God's people, and God's people respond in four ways in return. Look at verse 14 and 15. He calls them to this exclusive commitment. Verse 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in, the, in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Look at verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We put that on plaques in our homes. We focus on that. But there is this in, in, in incredible exclusive commitment that Joshua is laying before the people right here in verse 14 and 15. So he calls them to two things. He calls them to the correct attitude. He calls them to the correct action. That in their own hearts, if you look at verse 14, in their hearts, their attitude was that they were to fear the Lord. Now, that's not necessarily a tangible action item. It was an action within their own heart. It was an attitude that they were to have. They were to have the sense of reverence and respect. And that's the correct response, listen, church, to the power and the grace of God. That is the correct response. It is the correct attitude to the power and the grace of God upon our lives. And this attitude of reverence and respect towards the Lord. And it was to prepare them, pro propel them rather, to serve the Lord at the same time. To serve the Lord with sincerity and faithfulness there in verse 14. But all of that led them to verse 15 which is verse 15. If you look at the Bible, your Bibles again with me and what it says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, which is strange. Because the fact of the matter is God has given them this land. He has always been the one who is on the forefront of their lives, but he tells them to put away the gods of the land. He tells them to put these gods away. Why would he do that? Because listen, he could see the apathy in their hearts. He could see the spiritual drift in their lives already, 25 years removed. Joshua knew, knew that there was this widespread apathy, and here's what apathy does in our hearts. What apathy does is it leads to oftentimes conformity. We conform to the culture around us. We conform to the, to the environment around us. When we grow blah, 
And we're not on the front forefront of understanding what we're, what we're being immersed in, what we're doing in our lives, and we just begin to set back. What apathy does is it breeds conformity, and conformity into the wrong things. When you conform to the wrong things with the wrong attitude, with the wrong heart, it leads to spiritual drift, what ultimately leads to sin, which as James chapter 1 tells us, leads to death which means we always have to be on the forefront of thinking in terms of who we are, thinking in terms of what we're doing, thinking in terms of how we're thinking and what we're embracing and what we're believing in. The people of God here is Joshua calls them out, are beginning to grow apathetic. And therefore the gods of the lands, they have not driven out. And so what does he say? Fly your flag, essentially. In other words, choose to stay who you're going to serve. Don't say, because this is what had happened. With it, they were beginning to follow the Lord with their lives. They were following the Lord with their lives. And yet at the same time, they were empathetic. They were drifting over to the gods of the land that they had taken. And the Baals and the Asherah and these false gods in which the people of Canaan worshipped and served and the nations around them worshipped and served. And so they were beginning to follow both. They were beginning to drift into both. And Joshua can see this. He can look into the window of their hearts. And he says to them, listen, choose this day who you're going to serve. Either you're going to follow the Lord or you're going to follow the gods of the, of, of the nations around you and the nations in which God has given you. As for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. But listen, fly, fly your flag. Either say you're going to worship Baal or say you're going to worship God, Yahweh. And so he says, listen, this is exclusive commitment that they were to make was to have the right attitude and the right action, which then prompts the people of God right here in the verse or in the chapter to respond with this faithful response. Look at verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these, these great things or signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. Look at verse 18. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So they make this bold declaration. But you see, Joshua knew them. He knew what was in their hearts. So he voices concern. If you look at verse 19, he begins to voice this concern to the people. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your trespasses or your sins. Look at verse 20. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. God gives and he takes away, which is a shocking statement. Why would he make this statement? You are not able. Is it impossible to follow the Lord? Yes and no. It's impossible to follow God. Yes and no, Joshua says to the people. God's people were growing content, worshiping God and other gods. Their hearts were beginning to drift. Their hearts were beginning to grow apathetic. They were somehow at a place in their hearts where they were able to follow other gods or being empathetic towards it to the point where they would not drive out the nations as they were still there. And yet at the same time, go to the temple and go, go worship God faithfully. Read the Bible, go through the rituals, go through the motions. And all of this Joshua can see because remember Judges is coming. And you see in that third generation in Judges, and when you begin to read over and bleed over in the book of Judges, that's the third generation. And guess what it takes them in a heartbeat to turn away from God. 
And so they're right here on the pinnacle. They're at the precipice of either choosing, the, making the choice to move to follow God and things would go well for them and they would stay in the promised land and things would flourish or they could choose to their hearts to be divided and begin ultimately because what happens when you begin to be divided against God, you've already left him. And he knew that. So he's warning them. He voices this concern towards them. They'd grown to become casual worshipers casual worshipers when it came to God. It was a slippery slope because they were not devoted to the Lord. They would soon and quickly not be devoted to the Lord. And so what does he tell them? He says, it's impossible for you to do this. Why? Because God is what? Holy. He's perfect. There is no sin in him. God is a jealous God. In other words, it is not okay with God. Think about this with me, guys. It's not okay with God for you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ on a Sunday, but on Monday you just follow how you are, however you want to live your life. It's not okay with God because he is still a jealous God. He cares deeply about his people. He cares really deeply about worship so we can raise our hands, we can sing living hope, we can sing the great hymns of the faith and, and, and that we've sung all of our lives and yet we can quickly move away from following God and following the word of God with our hearts. God knows this about us. And so Joshua says you cannot because by the nature of God, it's almost, almost prevented them from doing this because of his nature and because who he is. But look at verse 21 and what they say. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So watch what Joshua does. He holds them responsible to their claim. He says, okay, great. Verse 20, 22. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord and to serve him. He's painting the picture of a courtroom. And he says, listen, just like in a courtroom when a witness stands up on the stand and he gives this testimony, he's sworn in and gives this testimony, they are witnesses as a people that day to themselves. They're saying, we will follow the Lord with our life. We will kick out the false gods that are around us, that are swirling around us, that are starting to influence us. They were witnesses against themselves and towards themselves. And so they bore witness that day with these words. Look at the end of verse 22. Again, it says, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are what? Witnesses. We are witnesses. So Joshua finally says in verse 23, look at it. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. This isn't something in the future. This is now. This is the present. This is the now. And incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. It had already started. It had already crept in. And the people said to Joshua, listen, they, 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 look at verse 24. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. And his voice, we will obey. And so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And on and on he went. And at the end of it all, the book of Joshua closes with Joshua's death and his burial, and he's done. Now listen, our identity as a people and our identity as followers of Jesus Christ, God's people as a whole and in general, doesn't hinge on, it did not hinge rather on what they said. God's people in this day did not hinge, their identity did not hinge on what they said, and it didn't hinge specifically on what they did but it was determined by their willingness to listen and to obey the word of God with their lives. In other words, they could go through the motions of following God, 
they could speak with their words, words that claimed that they followed God, but what really mattered was what it was in their hearts, the affection of their heart, which is why Joshua says what he does. Put away the false gods and turn the affection of your heart towards God alone, exclusively with your life. And when you turn to God exclusively with your life, then things will go well for you and you'll please God. So here's the question that God puts before us again this morning. The question that we have to wrestle with and ask ourselves is what kind of commitment does the Bible, what kind of commitment does the Lord put before us? Listen, as we close out Joshua, as we think in terms of from start to finish, what God has taught us in Joshua, listen, God's people remain loyal to the Lord. Loyalty is what the Lord is looking for. Loyalty. We remain loyal to him. And what loyalty reminds or requires is a faithful commitment to fear and to serve the Lord faithfully and alone with your life. That's never changed. It's the same for them. It's the same for us. It was the same for Adam and Eve, by the way. God put before them this choice. So whether they were going to remain loyal to his word, loyal to him, that they were going to follow him and obey him with their lives. And they chose to go against that, and we do that as well time and time again. But here's the thing, idolatry, let's talk about that for a moment. When, when idolatry and how idolatry is so damaging and dangerous in our life, well, here's the real problem. Idolatry, which was the problem for the people of God right here at the end of Joshua, why it was so damaging and devastating for them is the same, why, or the same reason it's devastating and damaging for, for us. Because all idolatry is, is anything that we put in front of the Lord and in the place of the one true God. Anything that we put in our lives in place of the one true God. In other words, we don't build statues on the stage and bow down to it and make sacrifices to it. You can, I can take you all kinds of places in the world where they do that. But we're not doing that this morning and we don't do that in our lives. We don't have statues that we build and put into our households and we bow down to or we pray to as a people. But at the same time, anything that becomes a priority in our life that takes the place of where God deserves to be becomes an idol for us in our life. And so there are lots of things, like our stuff and our possessions and our money, our pursuit of those things. When the pursuit of stuff, when the pursuit of your time, when the pursuit of joy and happiness in your life, when the pursuit of, of possessions and stuff in our life becomes more important than the Lord Jesus Christ in your life and it's become an idol for you, or for me. Or, or, or take something like pride or ego. How is this expressed in our life, right? It's when you work, can work 60, 80, 90, 100 hours a week and you're just a workaholic. And here's the thing, God's word says a lot about working hard, hard work and discipline and providing for my family and providing but, but, but for, for the people around me and providing for myself. That is a discipline that God wants me to have in my life. But when I'm working 60, 80, 90, 100 hours a week and I begin to make statements in my mind and in my heart, things like, well, I, I just don't have time to pray, God, or, or I just don't have time to, to read my Bible today. Because, I mean, and I, I got to get to work by four or five in the morning, or, or, or and I, I've got to work till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, or I just don't have time for my family, Lord, or, or I just don't have time to serve or be a part of the local church, Lord, because, because I'm just working so much right now, then that has become an idol in your life. See, God's the one who gives us our careers, our jobs. He wants us to work hard. But it's to always be secondary to him, Right? 
but sometimes we do this. Look at the book of Ecclesiastes, because this is a principle that we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We get the verse. Ecclesiastes 2.22. What is a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? Look at verse 23. For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Think about that principle for a moment. We're to work really hard. We're to do these things, but it can become an idol in our life. How about nature and science and things of that nature? We are immersed in a culture that tells us that the world is going to come to an end unless I do something. And yet at the same time, when you read your Bibles, you understand that you serve a God who has control of this world. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do, the world's not coming to an end unless he wants it to come to an end, and when he's good and ready for it to come to an end. Now I'm called to be a good steward of my environment. I'm called to be a good steward of God's creation. I'm called to work it and to manage it and to be oversee it. But the fear in our culture today that if I don't do something, if I don't do something, the world's going to come to an end is man-centered. It is not God-centered. We can keep going, right? How about self and pride? We oftentimes elevate ourselves, and we elevate ourselves. Our feeds our ego. It feeds our pride in our life. But listen, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says this that when I understand that for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but where is it from? From the world. So I have all of these things swirling around me. I've got to think well through all of these things so idolatry can come into my life. As we saw a week ago, Colossians chapter 3 says to put to death the things that are things like covetousness, Right? And that's going to require work. It's going to require sometimes uncomfortable things in my life that I have to put to death in me and around me. I have to eliminate these things from my life. But in the end, it's an impossible task. It's almost impossible to put these things to death in me. Because I'm an egotistical person by nature. All of us are, right? I mean, that's just who we are. We always think about ourselves first. It's almost impossible to do so. It's like that grass that used to grow in my yard when I lived over in southeast Texas, over in the Beaumont area. It absolutely drove me crazy. I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. It came up in our, in our uh, flower beds every year. I went to the nursery. I went to experts in the field. I talked to them about chemicals. How can we kill this grass out? I could not figure out how to get it out. I had to dig up our flower beds every year. And it was called torpedo grass. You know what I'm talking about out there? It absolutely drove me crazy. Everyone would just tell me, listen, there's nothing that can kill that stuff. You just have to dig it up, throw it out, and every year it would come back. It's almost like I can't get rid of myself. I can't get out of the way of myself, which is why, listen, we need Jesus Christ. So listen to me this morning. There is the problem of idolatry. There's the problem of not being courageous even sometimes in our living. But listen, everything runs through Jesus Christ. And it is why I need Jesus Christ in my life. This faith in Jesus Christ, it delivers me from idolatry. Joshua said it's impossible for you to serve the Lord. It's impossible for you to please God. Why? Because he's holy and he's perfect in every way. God does not share the spotlight with anyone. Me, you, Central Baptist Church, he doesn't share the spotlight with anyone. He only puts the spotlight upon himself. It's all or it's nothing. 
So it's not a question of whether I serve the Lord or not. Whether I can serve another God and serve the Lord at the same time. Jesus came to deliver you and I from idolatry. He came to deliver us from all of that. Because it is Jesus Christ who brings us to the place of being accepted and redeemed in the presence of a God who is perfect and jealous. He's the one who brings us to that place. And this is why it is the greatest choice, the greatest choice that we make in our lives. So we come back to this word loyalty. Will you be loyal? And there's two areas that I want to challenge us with this morning as we close this book out. Will we be loyal? Will you be loyal when your heart says one thing, but the Bible says another? Will you be loyal when your heart tells you how to feel or something to say, something to do? It tells you what you want to hear, and yet the Bible says something completely different. Will you be loyal to what the Word of God says? God wants you to be loyal to his word. No matter if you're 90 years old in this room or you're five years old or six years old in this room, God calls us to be loyal to him in our hearts. Will you be loyal when the culture says one thing but God says another? When the culture's telling you one thing, how to think, how to act, what to say, what to do, but the Bible says another. One of my favorite places in all the Bible is Acts chapter 4. And there is this story where the disciples are going and they're beginning to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as they're going from town to town, place to place, we came to this in Acts chapter 4 many, many months ago when we walked through the book of Acts. But look at what Acts chapter 4 verse 28 says. It's what God's people did here was they stood up for the Lord Jesus. And it says, so they called them and they charged them, the disciples, or these men, not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Look at verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But watch this in verse 20. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. I love that passage because it reminds me as a follower of Jesus Christ that I'm to live courageously in the face of opposition when my culture tells me how to think, how to speak, and how to act. And so, for example, the Bible speaks of marriage as one man and one woman in a covenant relationship for life. That's how the Bible defines it period. And so any expression of that is an expression of brokenness. It's an expression of sin. But I understand that the Bible says marriage is this because God defines what marriage is. Or, 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 how, about, or how about the month of June because you are inundated right now with Pride Month. And you understand what that is? So the LGBT movement has hijacked, they hijacked the civil rights movement. And they took it upon themselves to begin changing and shaping the culture that is around you. 
so that every business, corporations, schools, medical profession, sports, and every level of our society and our culture today, we are inundated with a culture that is ramming down your throat that you are to affirm that lifestyle in any expression, transgender, that it's okay, somehow it's possible from a male to turn into a female and from a female to turn into a male, that it is somehow possible that two men can become married and two women can become married and have a nuclear family because that is just love. But I just want to help you to understand this because it's the beginning of June and in our culture today, we've embraced. By the way, if you look at the calendar in our nation, just alone in our nation, there are over almost 20 plus holidays now or special days designated for the LGBTQ community that you and I are to recognize now and that our country has put before us. But the fact of the matter is, how do you handle this? Well, we're called to love everyone. You're called to love the female who wants to be a male and has gone through all kinds of operations. You're called to love the male who wants to be a female and is demanding these things. Why? Because they are made in the image of God just like you. They're made in the image of God. Just why it breaks my heart when I see them. And I see the damage that they're inflicting upon themselves because one day they will realize that it's just not working. This is not bringing me peace and joy and happiness. And so I empathize with them, I love them, but I never, ever affirm their lifestyle. Never. I don't celebrate it, I don't affirm it. Because I never affirm anything that the Bible calls sin. Whether it's the LGBT community, or whether it's all kinds of expressions of sin, never affirm it. And so when it comes to how we live our lives, how are we gonna live our lives, right? We remain loyal to the Lord. Will you remain loyal to the Lord in the face of a culture that's telling you one thing but the Bible says another. Will you remain loyal to the Lord when your heart is telling you one thing, but the Bible is telling you something else? Listen, there's no peace and there's no joy found apart from Jesus Christ. You cannot serve the Lord. I cannot serve the Lord. I can't please him without Jesus Christ. I can't sing enough songs. I can't pray. I can't give enough money. I can't read my Bible enough unless I come to that place in my life where I've given my life to Jesus Christ. What Bible, the Bible says to us, when how we meet a faithful God is with courageous living, is by saying, I'm going to fear the Lord with my life. I'm going to remain loyal to him with my life. I'm going to live my life in light of what he says and how he wants me to think and how he wants me to live, not based on what I feel, what other someone else tells me to do or not do, what my culture says to do and what it says not to do. I'm going to live in light of what Jesus Christ tells me to do. And guys, listen, church, when we do that, he is glorified and he is, he finds joy in us, finding joy in him and obeying him. And so what I want to do is just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What God says to us this morning is he wants us to surrender to him.
You got to surrender your hearts to him. Surrender your life to him. Surrender your decisions to him. And commit to live a courageous life. We commit as individuals, we commit as married couples, if you're married in the room, you commit as a single adult in the room, you commit as a family in the room, we commit collectively as a church in the room, that above all else, we're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with our life. We're going to follow him with our hearts. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looking around, I just want to pray for us this morning, and then we're going to have a time of response. We're going to have a time to respond to what the Lord says to us in our lives. Father, we thank you this morning just for your word and how you've encouraged us through the book of Joshua, how you've challenged us, Lord, how you've, Lord, led us to a place of faith, a place of courage, a place of walking faithfully with you, Lord. We know and understand that it's impossible to do that apart from your, your work on the cross, Jesus, and from the grave. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that has been poured out upon our lives. God, as a church, as a people, we want to be a faithful church. We want to be a church that stands courageously for the things that matter to you. And uh, God, we just pray that you, Lord, would continue to do that in us and in our hearts. God, as we come to you right now, as we worship you and we respond to your word, God, as we come here today, we pray that you'd give us the courage to respond and to say yes to you in the decisions that matter to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand with me and join me uh, as we sing this song together. Listen, if you want to join our church, if you want to follow through with Believer's Baptism, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'll be here at the front. We've got people that are willing to talk to you about those decisions here at the front. But I want to just encourage you to have the courage to say yes to Jesus and to follow him faithfully with your life today as we close out our service. Let's pray. Well, let's, let's sing together. Something beautiful, something good, all my confusion, he understood, all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, he made something. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. He made something. announcements.
Y'all can have a seat. Here I am. Thank y'all so much for being here this morning. Uh, real quick, I want to tell y'all a couple things. First is, just as we are here faithfully giving our time to the Lord and worshiping and praising Him, that's part of our offering. The other part of our offering is the part that nobody likes to talk about. But we love to give that to the Lord because it first came to us from Him. There's nothing in the world that you can hold on tight enough to take it with you. Everything comes from the Lord. So if you're uh, led to give this morning, you can do so by dropping it off as you leave the sanctuary. There's spots to drop off your physical offering. If not, there's also a way to do it online. Uh, you can go to the church website and find the give uh, area for that. Okay, next I want to real quick open up to you all you know, a really cool opportunity. I would love to have more people interested in the worship ministry. That's both as singers, maybe choir members, instrumentalists. Did you play guitar in fifth grade? Great. Let's get you back up here and do it. I would love to uh, connect with you. If you have any interest at all in, in playing an instrument, in, uh, in singing in the choir or singing on stage, anything like that, I'd love to connect with you. You can shoot me an email. It's on there, asuret at centrallivingston.com. Just email me. I'd be happy to connect with you and get you involved. We'd love to have more people serving in that way. Uh, along that same line with our worship ministry, uh, there's a QR code on screen. Uh, this will be showing on the TVs in the lobby throughout uh, Sunday, and also here is your opportunity. If you scan that with your phone, you can go ahead and take your phone out. Just don't take pictures of me. You don't need those. But you can go ahead and scan it. That's going to take you to a playlist on Spotify of all the songs that we do here at the church. It's, it's every song that we do, new ones that maybe we will do in the future. It just helps you be able to worship throughout the week, because this shouldn't be anybody's only worship experience with the Lord. We're continually praising and singing to Him. You can do it in your car. You can do it at home. You can do it while you're washing laundry, anything like that. We love to do it here together as a church as well. Um, finally, for our students, they're not just over here, but I'll look this way so I've got most of their attention. For our students, we've got a student ministry worship event. Uh, this will be on the 21st of this month, so a couple Wednesdays from now. We'll have that at uh, 6 p.m., be over in the Family Center, and uh, it's going to be a great night. I encourage you all to invite your friends, uh, you know, reach out to people. If you haven't seen somebody at church for a little bit, as long as you know that they're in town, they're not traveling for anything, uh, it's going to be a great night of praising and prayer. So that's it. I'll turn it back over to Sonny. There we go. There's always a delay. Okay, hey, listen, real quick before we close today, our students um, are moving and have moved already across from the Oikos building over to the Family Center, as you, uh, some of you may have heard about that. We've talked about it in members' meeting before. Um, we are moving our student ministry from the Oikos over to the Family Center. We're going to be doing, we'll be, you'll hear me talking about that more. We're going to be sharing the space with our congregation, with all of our events, but our students on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights will be moving across there. So that actually begins today. We had to speed up our timeline a little bit um, to get them over there starting this morning. So parents, those of you who have students in the room, uh, you're not going to take them or you're not going to go over to the Oikos. You're just going to take them straight across the street and then they'll be breaking up into their classes. It's, it's kind of a mess over there. So please be patient. We're just moving stuff over right now. And we have a lot of things planned um, as time goes on to, uh, to really uh, I'm excited about the possibility of what we're going to do with that facility as time goes on. I think it's going to be good for our church across the board, not just our student ministry. But it is going to be a good, play, a good uh, move for our students and where they are right now. So be in prayer for that. But parents, take them across the street. Students, you know where to go across the street. And um, just want to mention that really quickly this morning. So with that being said, let's stand. Let's have a word of prayer and let's commit our offerings and our tithes to the Lord 
And uh, hey, let's, let's commit to serving this week, all right? Father, thank you this morning just for um, the honor that we have to give to you, um, the privilege that we have to tithe and to give sacrificially and willingly and, and then to give to certain offerings, God, that, uh, that you put before us. Um, we thank you for the privilege that we have to invest in kingdom work, and we just pray that you would use them, multiply them, help us to be found faithful uh, to, uh, to give this morning. So we commit them into your hands. God, would you use us this week to point people to Jesus Christ, um, to point people to the hope that we have, that we've been singing about this morning, that we've been talking about today, that we've committed our lives to. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege we've had to worship you. Now, bless our Bible study hour and the time that, Lord, our small groups meet. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you so much. This is my testimony. Won't get the lie. The British me wrote my story. I'll testify.